athletic competition. It can easily be broken down into two parts. The minutes or hours it takes to complete the event. Then weeks, months, and years of joy or heartbreak. Finally, the decades to analyze and debate it. From the press box to press row, Donald Ware will break it all down for you with an in-depth look at historically black college athletics, as well as the biggest news stories and newsmakers of the day. It's time to talk the talk with those who walk the walk. From the press box to press row, here's your host, Donald Ware. You get it locked to the dopest show on radio. This is Box to Row. I am your host, Donald Ware. Got a great show for you today on the program. Got a really good show lined up for you today here on Box to Row. Thank you, as always, for joining me. Listen, championships come in threes. Championships come in threes. I'm going to tell you what I mean exactly by that. Let me set the table for you today a little bit here on the program. Also, we're going to talk about some ridiculousness that happened at the SWAC Media Day on Tuesday. Got more about that. We've had a collegiate conference mandate that its student athletes and coaches, participants, etc. be vaccinated, be vaccinated before competing. We've also had another major conference that hasn't gone as far as to say or to give a mandate on vaccinations, but has used the word forfeit, has used the word forfeit. So I'm going to talk a little bit about that, more about that today on the program as well. Listen, speaking of threes, I talked about threes, okay? Championships come in threes. Well, what do I mean by that? Because got to say congratulations to the Milwaukee Bucks who win their first championship, their first NBA championship since 1971. What I mean by championships coming in threes is this. Generally speaking, if you go back and look at the history of championships, you can go back quite a ways. Generally, the champion will have three star players on the roster. And that, again, was the case when you're talking about the Bucks. Obviously, Giannis Antetokounmpo was absolutely splendid. Chris Middleton got the job done. Then I will also throw in Drew Holiday into that mix. Uh, yes, he was up and down in the series, but generally speaking, from a defensive perspective, he was absolutely key. He was absolutely key. I mean, you can look at other times throughout the course of history. From time to time, you're going to have a situation where you may not have a big three. I mean, maybe as recently uh, as uh, as even the Lakers uh, going back to last year, not necessarily a big three per se, certainly with Golden State. The two championships in 17 and 18, you can argue, it, not argue, but it was a more or less a big four. Uh, when Cleveland won the championship in 2016, big three, LeBron, Kevin Love, Kyrie Irving, 
Uh, you can look at Golden State the year before that. San Antonio, with its run, had a big three. Uh, you can also look uh, going back a while, right? You can look at a while. Lakers back in the 80s, right? You have uh, Magic. You have Kareem. You have Worthy. And, of course, on that team, it was so many other guys. Championships come in threes. And I'm going to talk more about this NBA Finals and what the Milwaukee Bucks were able to accomplish. Hey, as a matter of fact, we're going to be uh, coming on in Charlotte. As a matter of fact, we're going to be doing something with ESPN Charlotte beginning on next week. I'll maybe talk a little bit more about that, or you can check our Twitter page uh, and or our website throughout the course of the week. But this may be some hope. Maybe there's some hope for the Charlotte Hornets because we can we see at least Milwaukee currently has and I know it doesn't happen all the time right but Milwaukee has shown us that you can get this thing done in a small market with a big time star and Giannis Antetokounmpo is absolutely big time you know when and a lot of people have mispronounced his name obviously over the years right and I can remember going back uh, to the uh, 2018, 2017-18 season uh, was up in Washington, called the Bowie State and Shaw men's basketball game, and then had the pleasure of covering the Wizards and the Bucks that same night. Boy, I love this job. Like, what what other job uh, can you have or what other profession can you have where you can go and call a college basketball game uh, during the day and then at night turn around and cover an NBA game? And by the way, Giannis was absolutely, from what I remember, he was really, really good in that game. That was that was the year that uh, that Milwaukee was starting to, tr- was really starting y- Antetokounmpo was really coming into his own. Again, couldn't mention, couldn't couldn't really uh, uh, pronounce his name, so he was more known as the Greek freak then than he obviously is uh, now. But I mean, going up against John Wall and Bradley Bill, and uh, you know, came out if I remember correctly, and I think I do. Milwaukee won that game, and it was just this outpouring of love for Antetokounmpo after the game. I mean, it was must have been a section of people cheering for him as he came off the court uh, after the game was over. It must have been like 5,000 fans. Um, some of them had the flag of Greece. It was absolutely phenomenal. So you can see that this young man is an, has been a star and is an absolute star. But getting back to my point, championships come in threes. You had three players uh, one way or the other, right? Antetokounmpo was absolutely fantastic by the way in the series uh, and you know I, I'm, I'm, I'm not really a stats guy when it comes to professional sports but I'm going to throw the number out at you 35.2 points 13.2 rebounds and five assists per game in the NBA finals by the way drops 50 points on Tuesday in the deciding game and went 17 of 19 from the free throw line. This is, I mean, he's not a good free throw shooter at all, yet when it really counted in the biggest moment, the biggest moment, this game could not go back to Phoenix. Now, I will say this, and this was a game uh, in, in Phoenix. I, I mean, uh, you talk about Milwaukee and what a big game. We talk about game six. Game five, obviously huge, because not only did the Bucks go up 3-2 at that time, but 
the Bucks were able to get that victory in Game 5 in Phoenix. So you knew when they came back to Milwaukee, like, it's just, it's been a different vibe as I've watched the Bucks play in Milwaukee throughout the course of these playoffs. And it's just, it's an electric atmosphere. And you can see that they had, you know, their 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 arena was packed, right? Then on the outside, I mean, I, they did a pan of all the fans that were on the outside of the arena. As a matter of fact, come to find out, it was like 64, 65,000 fans on the outside of the arena. It was absolutely tremendous. And Milwaukee was able to get it done. A small market team. I'm gonna I'm gonna look at it from this perspective. You you had Giannis, you had Chris Middleton, those were your anchors. But I think where the Bucks won the championship was here. When the Bucks traded ultimately for Drew Holiday, right? Because that was an upgrade from what they had at point guard last year. No question about that. I think the point guard play wasn't, I mean, it wasn't great. I mean, it wasn't bad, but they needed something that was next level. And Drew Holiday gave them a next level player on both ends of the court. And when the Bucks also traded for P.J. Tucker. Those two acquisitions, we can talk about Giannis and we can talk about Chris Middleton and they were absolutely phenomenal. By the way, uh, Antetokounmpo's a really, really a top-level defender, and uh, Chris Middleton played some very solid defense in this series. But to take it over the top, you needed some guys that could really play some on-ball defense, particularly a Drew Holiday, right? An on, on-ball defender, can uh, you got enough size, can guard your one or two. And then you got P.J. Tucker who can guard multiple positions. Sometimes he'll even guard the opposing team's four. Okay, and by the way, P.J. Tucker from right here uh, in Raleigh. I'm telling you, those two acquisitions, if you don't have those two players on your team, if you're the Milwaukee Bucks, you're not winning the NBA championship. So they were able to get it done. So getting back to threes, because I want to set the table for today's guest here on Box to Row, getting back to threes. So when we're talking about NBA championships over the years, there have been some instances where there weren't necessarily three players per minute. When you look at the Bulls dynasty, you know, it's Michael, Scotty, then it was Horace, Michael, Scotty, Dennis Rodman, right? So you, you look at some threes. I mean, maybe there are some instances where there haven't necessarily been three players. One instance where there were three players, two instances, one player on two different teams, and that one player helped two different teams to NBA championships. I'm talking about none other than Bobby Dandridge helped the Bucks. His play was key. Yes, Lou Alcindor, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, right? Uh, you, you know, you have Oscar Robertson, but you got to have, of course, Bobby D on that team. 71 championship, the Bucks win it. Let, let's move ahead seven years later. The Washington Bullets, the then Washington Bullets, now the Washington Wizards. You have Elvin Hayes, uh, you have Wes Unsel, and you have Bobby Dandridge. So, with that being said, Bobby D going to join us today here on Box to Row, newly elected into the the Naismith Memorial Basketball Hall of Fame. Uh, well, he's he's 2021. Uh, he'll be inducted later on this year. Is the point that I'm getting at. 
but it's about time had Bobby D on the show back, I don't know, four, five, six years ago or something, asked him the question, well, why isn't Bobby Dandridge in the Hall of Fame? Averaged 18 and a half points per game. Again, a catalyst to two NBA championships. Was a four-time All-Star. Uh, was an everyday player until uh, the, the Bullets went to the championship in the 78-79 season. Loss to the then Seattle Supersonics in four. In, got swept, as a matter of fact. But then the next three seasons uh, just was inj- had a lot of injuries. But in the playoffs... You know, Bobby D averaged in excess of 20 points a game in throughout his playoff career. As a matter of fact, nobody in the 70s scored more points in the playoffs than Bobby Dandridge. You got to tell me why it took so long for Bobby D to get to the Basketball Hall of Fame. We'll ask him that as a matter of fact. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the program. Up next here on Box to Row. Going to switch gears. Deion Sanders is at it again, and we're going to talk about it next. Hello, my name is Precious Rose Dunlap, and this is my mother, Michelle Timberlake-Roll, founder of Marjorie's Beef Jerky Incorporated. We would at this time like to thank our new customers as well as our repeating customers for your business. For every one million orders that we receive, our company is giving $2 million away to the bottom of 400 of our paid customers. You see, that's the way we roll! So come place an order at www.marjoriesbeefjerky.com. That's www.marjoriesbeefjerky.com. Marjorie's Beef Jerky is the best tasting beef jerky on this planet. Marjorie's Beef Jerky.com. Yeah, that's right. Because that's the way we roll. You're listening to From the Press Box to Press Row. From the Press Box to Press Row. Box to Row. Box to Row. Box to Row. The cloud becomes black and the sky becomes We're back here on Box to Row. Still to come on the program, NBA legend... Bobby Dandridge, Bobby D, going to join us on the program. Of course, played his collegiate basketball at Norfolk State University when Norfolk State was in the CIAA. Well, I mentioned in the last segment that Jackson State head football coach Deion Sanders is at it again. He walked out of a virtual press conference that was taking place at SWAC Media Day on Tuesday, and I'm going to let you, if you haven't heard about this, maybe, I'm sure you have, but if you haven't heard about this, I'm going to let you hear the video, or the audio in its entirety, and then we're going to come back and I'm going to give you my thoughts. I want to preface this by saying that what you're going to hear prior to what actually took place was Coach Sanders finishing up on a question that was asked by a member of the media and then the person he makes reference to and you'll hear this is a writer from the clarion ledger and we'll talk more and i'll give you my thoughts uh about this situation so i'm excited about the prospects of this season thanks coach okay let me let me get nick let me get nick nick's a good guy 
Nick's us. You're up. Hey, Dion. I was just wondering if you could. Oh, uh, let's back up a little bit. You don't call Nick Saban Nick. Don't call me Dion. Okay. Let's I call go. Nick Saban Nick. Yeah, no, you don't. Dion. No, you don't. No, you don't. That's a lie. <laughs> you, if you call Nick Nick, you know you'll get cussed out on the spot. So don't do that to me. Treat me like Nick. Okay, Dion. <laughs> um, All right. Just. Uh, <laughs> And mic drop for Coach Fry. And I think we were at time, and Mr. Suss, we do apologize. I think he was ready, but that wasn't the case. Now let me give you my quick reaction to that audio. Is this a good business? Yeah, it's a good business. I wouldn't be in it if it wasn't. Why is it a good business? Because only the tough survive. That's the reason you ain't in it. And this punk holding the camera reading he ain't in it. Reading these rednecks out here ain't in it because it's a tough business. That's terrific. What, is that all you got? I'll ask you the standard question. You know? Standard question. I think this is fake. You think it's fake? What's that? Is that fake? Huh? What the hell's wrong with you? That's open hand slap, huh? You think it's fake? Huh? What do you mean? So that audio was from an interview that reporter John Stossel did with Dwight Schultz, wrestler Dwight Schultz, back in the 80s that made really headlines around the world because as you heard John Stossel said to to Schultz he thought West wrestling was fake and he gave him an open hand slap twice I, a lot of you I know if you're of a certain age you're going to remember that others you can go and google but that to me so when I, let me let me back up so when I heard about this I read this in the Clarion Ledger uh, in Jackson shouts out to our affiliate in Jackson uh, WJSU. So I, I, I heard about it. I'm thinking to myself, and remember, I wrote about Deion Sanders and how really good is he for HBCU sports, particularly after one uh, particular incident during uh, one of the the press the weekly press conferences, coaches press conferences of the SWAC had happened. It was an incident. That it happened, and you can go to our website at botchtorow.com. I wrote, I really wrote extensively um, about this, but this is another scenario. So my first instinct, again, when I heard about this, I hadn't heard the audio because I think a lot of times you can't just take a clip or what you like. You gotta hear it in its context, and I wanted to hear the whole press conference. So I listened to the whole press conference um, from the opening when. Deion Sanders was introduced uh, until he ultimately walked off. I think that the odd, it was somewhere around, I don't know, seven, eight minutes, um, something like that. So when I first heard about this, I'm like, man, that's terrible because think about it. I mean, let's think about this. Deion Sanders is supposed to be about promoting HBCUs, right? I mean, that's his whole mantra. Like even during this press conference, you ask him a specific question he wants to prom- he wants to talk about guys that haven't been discovered in the NFL National Football League doesn't know about them which really isn't true like if you they may not be getting the exposure or a lot of our players may not be getting the exposure that our players deserve there isn't any question about that a lot of times to the more mass media right but in the National Football League and pro- professional football if you can play They'll find you, and they know about you. I think sometimes we, you know, a lot of our players do not get the fair shake that I think a lot of them 
uh, deserve. I've talked a lot about this with respect to the National Football League draft over the years. So, I mean, I'm not saying that uh, I'm not, you know, the National Football League definitely has some issues as it relates to HBCUs and the draft. But my point is, if you can play, they know about you. That's my point. So every time he speaks, it's it, it seems to be about, uh, well, people don't know about this guy. They don't know about that guy. That's why I'm here, because I'm going to let everybody know about HBCU players, about Jackson State. Rah, 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 rah. That's, that's what I hear a lot of. And believe me, I'm not just taking sound bites. I'm not just giving you guys sound bites. I was on every single one of those press conferences, the weekly press conferences last year for the SWACs. I'm not just giving you sound bite stuff, right? But to walk out of a press conference in that manner because or you were called by your first name to compare yourself as a football coach to Nick Saban Makes absolutely no sense. And oh, by the way, I've listened to many press conferences, many press conferences where reporters call Nick Saban Nick. They don't address him as Coach Saban. They address him as Nick. So to walk out of that, how is that helping HBCUs? Yeah, it puts HBCUs in a light, but not a good light. Is that more about Deion Sanders and wanting to shine the light on himself? Um, How does that help Jackson State? How does that help the swag? How does that help HBCU football? Because now everybody's writing about, oh, uh, Deion Sanders walked out of a press conference and attaching SWAC and HBCUs to that. So it's not about the SWAC and not about HBCUs. It's about Deion Sanders. So tell me how that helps. That's what I, that, that's sort of my, that's my first question. Number two, um, you know, I want to see what Jackson, how Jackson State University handles this situation, how the SWAC ultimately handles this situation. Now, you heard the moderator say, well, the time was, about up anyway. Okay. Well, may, maybe, I don't know, maybe that's because something like that happens. If something like that happens, that coach, whether it's Coach Sanders or whatever other coach it is, should be fined for that. That is a media availability. You have people that have come from, well, in that instance, so let me back up. In that instance, it was virtual because they had a different a couple of sessions. You had a virtual session, you had actual one-on-one sessions, and all of that. So that was a virtual virtual session. Uh, session. So that it really that 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 doesn't really play into it in terms of people uh, traveling so much uh, to to speak with him, right? But that's a final bull offense. Okay, uh, how does Jack? How is Jackson State going to handle that? They're just going to let that slide. How about the SWAC? Is the SWAC just going to let that slide? How do you handle that? That is a finable offense and should be, you should be fined behind that. That makes the SWAC look bad. But this, but the, my, my final thing and the thing that I'm, I really, that, that was my initial thoughts, right? Really though, that's before I heard the audio. When I listened to the audio, Okay, in the part that I played for you, after you answered the question, Mr. Suss, uh, he he, uh, Deion Sanders addressed Nick, because Nick Suss addressed him 
and say, hey, let 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 me let's talk to Nick Suss as if as if Deion Sanders is the moderator. Right. Uh, he says he's a good guy. Right. Then that's when Suss comes on, addresses him as Dion, And then. Deion Sanders says what he says, don't call me Dion. You wouldn't call uh, Nick Saban Nick. You'd get cussed out if you did, although many people have called him Nick. And he ultimately walks off. I, you know, just like the wrestling piece. I think that was fake. I think it was, I think it was staged. I think it was, uh, something that, uh, that, uh, um, ultimately Deion Sanders wanted to do now just for a little backstory. So, uh, the beat writer for Jackson state, maybe a couple a day or two before the press conference wrote about a recruit that Jackson state or a player that Jackson state student athlete that Jackson state had recruited that, um, was charged with um, some kind of battery. And to, to my understanding in reading the Clarion Ledger's um, story, in essence, Jackson State wasn't happy with that story. Um, this writer was there at the media day. Jackson State officials would not allow this reporter to ask Deion Sanders questions, not in the virtual part, but in the part where the media are allowed to ask questions, wouldn't even let him in to record anything that he, meaning Deion Sanders or his players had to say, who's running the show here? I mean, if that's true, I mean, it's two, it's two sides to every story. If what the clarion ledger is saying or has written is true, who's running the show here? Deion Sanders running the swag now? I mean, what are we talking about here? I mean, that is, you know, I, I, I'd invite you to read the Jackson, the uh, the Clarion Ledger story. Um, if, this, if that is in fact what happened, um, I take great offense to that as a, uh, a national radio host, um, as a journalist, um, you're reporting the news. Now, do, do the, does the media uh, put spin on things and, report things inaccurately. Yes, it does. In this case, that's generally what happens here. I don't think there was any, it's not like, it's not like the Clarion Ledger reported something that wasn't true. So, I mean, this is, it's getting out of hand. Like this is, I'm going to talk about it and I'm going to move on because we're not going to talk about Deion Sanders on this show every week. You can forget about that. You're planning to hear that on this show every week. You need to go find another show. That's not what we're going to do here. We're going to talk about things that happen that are relevant. And this was a little bit different twist, I think, than some of the things and the antics that we've seen before. Your thoughts. You can hit me up via Twitter at BoxToRow, B-O-X-T-O-R-O-W. I'm interested in getting your thoughts. We've got NBA legend Bobby D up next. You're listening to From the Press Box to Press Row. That is the voice of Kevin Durant. I'm excited I get to play for them. They support us in everything we do. You know, it's a joy to, you know, go to work and, and know that you're going to be, uh, you know, they're going to cheer for you as loud as they can no matter who you're playing. Bubba Wallace. They feel like I am throwing a race 
into the context here. And it's not about race. He's a driver at the end of the day. Everybody's making it about race. It's all about the headlines these days. Not me saying like, yep, I'm the black guy here. You're going to stop hearing about me. It was more along the lines of the fans like, hey, it's cool. I've been dealing with that for, for a while. He's Spike Lee. Thank you. I haven't heard that. I mean, I've been on rails all over the nation. Thank you for that question. I'm a third generation Morehouse man. I was taught to speak your truth and that there's very special about being a Morehouse man, the same way you feel about your school, the same way we feel all about our respective historic black colleges. That would have been my first choice anyway, and I'm proud to be a Morehouse man. I'm talking about none other than Serena Williams. That was definitely one of the better matches I've ever played. I've had it just like that. You know, I was really focused, just really, you know, excited. That is the voice of Steph Curry. Your progress from Davidson to now with Golden State. Where I've come from in high school into a small D1 college at Davidson. And, uh, it's a great story, and uh, I'm just having fun, you know, living my dream and riding the ride. Ron Rivera, you know, a great player. Did you see yourself as a coach? I've been told a lot of times by a lot of people, boy, you know, you're kind of like a coach on the field. I always felt at some point, yeah, I'd probably get into coaching. It all started because of my son wanting to play football. The one and only Michael Strahan. Always good to talk to you. Hopefully next time it won't be, what, 14 years. You get to good and, and, and uh, you're encouraging people to be better and do better and, and that's what I love man so thank you I appreciate you I'm talking about none other than common well, I ended up with Sam just because I wanted to major in business and Sam you had the illustrious school of business then I found out that business was the key that's what I wanted to do Dave Roberts manager of the LA Dodgers to be person of color and be the manager of the Dodgers what does that mean to you? well I think the first thing that comes to me is responsibility with recency and, and kind of the social, the racial issues that we're having that really come to light, which is, I believe, are good things. I think that it's a responsibility for me to be the first manager of color for the Dodgers. There's not many of us in baseball. To do things the right way, to hopefully give others, other people of color opportunities, hopefully it just paves the way. So I think that for me, I, I definitely look at it as responsibility, but something I'm willing to undertake. Omari Hartwick. And it's crazy that you say that. I got one of your colleagues and one of your contemporaries and that being Stephen A. He hit me about three weeks ago and he texted me and he said, oh, how did I miss this one? But it's equally been a beautiful thing for me to see how much you guys who work in sport are fans of me. But for you to like it as much as Stephen A. said he liked it and all within the last three weeks, you both are commenting on it. I'm in good company. We're, we're HBCU guys, you know. I know I'm in good well, company. Of course, bro. <laughs> Shout outs to Howard University. NBA All-Star Chris Paul. That was great to bring it back to one salem State University, a uh, black college. Something that my city had never seen before, may never see again, and just having a up close and personal feeling with LeBron James, Kevin Durant, Melodes. It was exciting. I'm grateful for those guys coming out. She's Simone Biles. Actually, really fun. Like, to be honest, me and Allie had a lot of fun. We were like, oh, of course, like, we're in the best shape of our lives. We're feeling confident about our body, and we hope that other young girls and women, like, feel that being strong is so beautiful. So that's what we kind of try to do. Greatest football player to ever play, Jim Brown. Muhammad Ali was a principal person in the country at the time, and he stood up and said that he was not going to the service because it was against his religion. Mm-hmm. Called all the top black athletes together, along with Carl Stoke, the first black mayor of a major city. So I'm glad you brought that particular incident up. Snoop Dogg is on the mic. Pay attention. Oh, man, thank you for having me play in a real way. I mean, I'm so honest. Snoop, you football leagues have done so many wonders. We got over 200 kids that have graduated from high school. We have over 50 kids that have 
grown in Division One. Kyrie Irving. Playing at Duke for Coach K. What was that like and how that prepared you for the league now? Playing 11 games, you know, a lot of people think that's not a you know, big package for you to become a better player. But for me, it was. Playing for Coach K, he gave me the keys to, to the car. And I was driving it in the first eight games. And you know, being a part of something special like that and having a brotherhood built at an institution such as that one is an experience that you never forget. Ice Cube has been our guest. Hey, man, thanks for letting me talk a little music, movies, and sports. Hey, my favorite three topics. From the press box to press row is the sports talk show that is the voice and the talk of HBCU sports with a flair for pro sports talk and entertainment. Check the show out online at www.boxtorow.com. That's from the press box to press row. Real. Relevant. Radio. Missed any of our shows? How about our conversations with some of the biggest names in sports and entertainment? Check out Box to Row podcast at boxtorow.com or on Apple Podcasts. The others pretend you're listening to the show that brings you up close and personal. Up close and personal. With the biggest names in sports and entertainment. Here's the man to bring it to you, Donald Ware. Let's continue here on Box to Row. We got a legend on the line, as a matter of fact, and appropriately... Of course, the Milwaukee Bucks winning the NBA championship for the first time since 1971. And my, or, excuse me, my next guest was part of that 1971 team. Also won an NBA championship with the 1978 Washington Bullets. Averaged in excess of 18 points per game throughout his career. In excess of 20 points per game in the playoffs. Will be inducted into the Naismith Memorial Basketball Hall of Fame later this year. He is a Norfolk State man. He is Bobby Dandridge. Joins us here on Box to Row. Bobby D., welcome back to the program. Well, it's, it's my pleasure to be back and sound like you're doing well. <laughs> yes, sir. Doing well. I mean, I'm, I'm, you know, doing well anyway, right? But, you know, to have you on the show really uh, it, it, it's a pleasure. Uh, you know, it's a lot of stuff we got to get to since the last time we talked. A lot has happened. Ultimately, you will be inducted into the Naismith Memorial Basketball Hall of Fame, which is a long time coming. We'll talk more about that. I want to start here. Again, you were part of that 1971 Milwaukee Bucks team that won the NBA championship. I want to get your thoughts on the Bucks winning the championship on Tuesday. Well, you know, after not winning it for 50 years, and they've had some great players, you know, over the past 50 years, it's just a tremendous, I think, achievement um, because the players, the coaches, and the organizations have had to go through a lot of different changes because of COVID. And for them to be able to keep people healthy enough during the year to play and to come into the playoffs with the full squad is just amazing. And uh, this is what I say is sort of a homegrown team um, because they basically uh, have draft choices. Teams are made up of draft choices and trades and they haven't had to do any blockbuster free agent type of things um to to put this team together and in today's nba you know that's quite a feat to win a championship without putting together 
two or three high-profile um, free agents. So Milwaukee has done it the right way, and um, they just deserve to be exactly where they are, NBA champions for this season. Yeah. I mean, for you, you're, I want to get your thoughts also on Giannis Antetokounmpo. I mean, you know, it's caught a lot of flack, even caught a lot, you know, from so people that think they know, right? But, I mean, he ultimately came through big time. And you know about this. Like, you can average a certain amount of points throughout the course of a season and, you know, elevate your game in the playoffs, which he did. And, of course, you ultimately did that as well in the two championship uh, seasons with the Bucks and the Bullets. We'll talk more uh, about that. Your thoughts on this young man. This is a young man that comes from a different uh, – from Greece, uh, ultimately – uh, was a skinny kid coming in, built his body up. He's a two-time MVP uh, and now an NBA Finals player who also ultimately decided to sign a long-term deal to stay in a smaller market such as Milwaukee. Well, you know, Milwaukee is a smaller market compared to um you know, your larger cities, but it still has a um, sports, a professional sports environment um, with, the, with the Packers uh, maybe 50 or 60 miles away and with the Brewers being in town. And then you got Marquette College. So, so Milwaukee is, is a sports town and Probably if you've never been there or spent any time there, uh, to realize what a big sports town it is. And uh, although it's considered a small market, uh, you know, they've had sellouts for about the last three or four years. Uh, We saw what the crowds have been like um, to cheer the Bucks on, so... Uh, I think it's real special when when teams like Milwaukee, Phoenix, Atlanta, who are considered you know small markets, get an opportunity to put their teams on display and represent their cities well. And I, I think it speaks well of the of the draft system, the free agency system that exists in the NBA. So I I just think. Uh, you know, this has been just a tremendous season for the league and for a team like Milwaukee, like you say, a smaller market city to um, win a championship just says a lot about the parity in the league now. Bobby Dandridge played 13 seasons in the NBA with the Milwaukee Bucks and the Washington Bullets winning a championship in 71 with the Bucks, 78 with the Bullets, a Norfolk State man. We'll talk with him more about that. He joins us here on Botch to Row. Bobby D, I want to get your thoughts. Uh, last time uh, we talked, I, I think the very first question I believe I asked you was why is Bobby Dandridge not in the uh-huh. Hall of Fame? Can't say that now. So what does it mean to you to now be a Naismith Memorial Basketball Hall of Famer? Well, it it, it means a, a lot um, because it, it, it's just, uh, it just means a lot to be in uh, a category 
uh, who are the top players in your sport or the top uh, people in your sport are held in such high esteem. And especially for a guy who probably never thought about the Hall of Fame until after I left the NBA and that I began to see all these guys, um, you know, being named to the Hall of Fame. And uh, I was wondering whether or not I had missed out on (laughs) on something, Um, especially when, uh, you know, I felt that my achievements were as good as or no less than some individuals who were being selected. And, uh, you know, it's the wait. Um, has, it's been a long wait, but it's not been a traumatic thing because I've grown in so many other ways and I've had enough other things to do and I've still been connected in some form or fashion with the NBA. Um so it's uh, the the wait has been thirty some odd years, but um, during that time, uh, you know, I've 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 led a pretty good life. Uh, I've grown a lot as a human being. It's a certain amount of humility sets in, and it just makes you appreciate your career. What I have achieved. And the big thing for me now is that my family um, gets its reward for supporting me over these years. And also friends, family, fans, and everybody gets a chance to um, celebrate my influence uh, in the world of sports. The great Bobby Dandridge joins us here in the program. If you were sitting on a committee, Bobby D, and I'd said to you, there's a, you know, a guy that played 13 seasons uh, in the NBA, helped two teams, two, this two separate teams with, with, uh, with two of the greatest 50 players to ever play the game on each of those teams, right? He averaged in, he averaged 18 and a half points per game for his career, four time all-star, all NBA scored more points in the playoffs in the 1970s than any other player. Oh, by the way, because what the the, the uh, Hall of Fame takes into account, unlike professional football, is also what you did in college. Great player at Norfolk State. Uh, you I, I, And you don't seem to be bitter. Like when I talked with you, we had you on before, you didn't really seem to be bitter about it. But, I mean, it, it had to feel, you had to feel somewhat slighted, right? Not to have been inducted uh, prior to now. Uh, that's true. You know, I would, I would catch some feelings from time to time, um, because I, I knew, know that my contribution has been, uh, equal to others that have been inducted, but, um, I just accepted it for what it was worth, but yet. You know, the bitterness did not spill over into me condemning the process because the process is what it is. 
And, um, you, you know, it's a great achievement. But then, you know, I, I've led a good life during that time. You know, I have, have a wife and three great kids, a couple of grandsons, a great daughter-in-law. Uh, I have friends um, who've known me over the years who know the work that I've put in. Um, and 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 the key thing I realize is that um, you know everything is in God's hands, and you know when He wants it to happen, when it's time, and when I've done his work first, then this may be the eventual reward. But I must almost always remember that things are in God's hands. And, uh, you know, that's the way life is. And I think that was the one my faith and my spirituality was able to keep me even keel, to be patient and to wait. And it may not have never come. But I don't think that would have prevented me from being the person that I am today. Yep. Talking, and very well said, talking with the great Bobby Dandridge here on Box to Row. We're going to step aside, take a break, come back with more with Bobby D as you're locked into Box to Row. Hello, my name is Precious Rose Dunlap, and this is my mother, Michelle Timlake Roll, founder of Marjorie's Beef Jerky Incorporated. We would at this time like to thank our new customers as well as our repeating customers for your business. For every one million orders that we receive, our company is giving $2 million away to the bottom of most 400 of our paid customers. You see, that's the way we roll! So come place an order at Marjorie's Beef Jerky! Track down the names making news in sports from the press box to press row. It's Donald Ware from the press box to press row. We're back here on Box to Row. We're talking with the one and only Bobby Dandridge here on the program. We'll be inducted later on this year into the Naismith Memorial Basketball Hall of Fame, part of that 1971 Milwaukee Bucks team that won the championship in the 1978 Washington Bullets team that won the championship as well. Uh, how uh, we had had a had a tremendous we had had a great uh, season that year and I think we had won 20 games in a row that year and 20, 22 games in a row um, we had literally gone undefeated in exhibition season um, and that was the first year that the Big O was with us um, so I have a lot of just fun memories, you know. Um, the big thing was Oscar Robinson coming with us um, and setting a tone of of excellence and uh, and knowing that he had never won a championship sort of motivated us to realize that you know, you can play a whole lot of years and never <laughs> win a championship in the league. And uh, that was an enjoyable season um, because, you know, we had a young team, not only myself, 
uh, Kareem, Lucius Allen, John McLaughlin, uh, you know, and these are guys that you hear a little about nowadays when we look at Lucius Allen, who was a tremendous player for us, Bob Boozer, uh, who was also a tremendous player for us. And I just remember it was a fun team, too, uh, from the day. And we had training camp that year in, in Hawaii. And we just had fun that season. Um, and when you're winning, it is fun. So, you know, just that was just a fun season for us. And then, of course, I mean, being from Silver Spring, Maryland, right, like, Huge Bullets fan, Wizards fan now. I think I wasn't even four years old when you helped to lead that Bullets team to the 78 championships. I have no recollection of that. And, and as you know, Ben, I'm tell, I mean, it's just been it's some, some decent years here and there. But, boy, it's just been downhill for the Bullets slash Wizards since then. What do you remember about that team? And that's Wes Unseld and Elvin Hayes and all of those, all of those great players which you helped lead to a championship again for the Bullets in 78. Well, you know, coming to the Bullets for me was uh, it was special because it gave me an opportunity to, to as I say, have my own team. Because when I came here, uh, Coach Marta pretty pretty much let me know, as if everybody else didn't know in the league, that they had come close, but they could never get over the hump and win the big big uh, playoffs in the finals. And so coming here gave me an opportunity to put all the leadership skills in the play that I had seen and learned from, from the big old and Kareem. So, you know, although, you know, I'm still averaging 19 and 21 and stuff like that, Coming here to the Bullets, um, you know, I had to play play the top offensive player from time to time. And I got an opportunity for my whole entire game to be, you know, put on display. And, uh, you know, my concept of being a great basketball player was not that I had to score 25 or 30 points a game, but... I had to play the total game, be a good rebound, a good pass, a good defender, and a good score. And uh, I was able to come here and be a leader here uh, with the Bullets. And, uh, you know, we went to the uh, finals two straight years, my first and second year here. And if I'm right, I think, I was the first free agent to actually come to a team and produce a world championship in the first year. So, and and when you talk about the all-time score during the seventies for NBA Finals, you know that's sort of one of those hidden statistics that twenty-five years ago, analytically, that may not have been brought up. Out and so uh, you know, I've just been a consistent player for those twelve or thirteen years, and 
you know, not too boastful, not always the guy out front. But yet, in the background, when you look at the final statistics, I'm right up there with the uh, team leaders as far as statistics and significance is concerned. No, there's no question about it. I know, I know you and I talked, saw saw you, I guess, four or five years ago at a Wizards game. What, are, what, like, what are the Wizards going to do? Like, I mean, you know, I mean, I mean, it seemed like things were going well with John Wall and Bill, and now John Wall's going. You got Westbrook's got one more year uh, on his deal, but I mean, they need some real. I mean, but it's a good thing. I think it's a good thing. Wes Unsell Jr., the new coach, right? Like, what are your thoughts on the Wizards? Like, what are the Wizards going to do moving forward? How are they going to look? <laughs> well, you, you know, we, we surely, Wes Unsell Jr. is going to bring almost 20, 22 years of experience uh, to the head coaching position. Uh, and, you know, with the with the Wizards, they've had some great players, but then they've lost some great players who I think could have been building blocks, and they've lost them through free agency. Guys have selected to go somewhere else. And I think each team has a different philosophy on how it's going to win. And I think right now that Wizards are uh, into a a philosophy of winning, uh, looking at this as a business situation basketball-wise. So I think once they settle in on exactly which direction they're going to go in, in terms of building a team, uh, then I think they can get on the right track. But that decision, you know, has to come on how are we going to build a good team. And, And they've had some opportunities, have had some great players, have lost a few great players. So... Um, until I think they decide which direction they're going to build a championship team on, you know, they may just remain a middle-of-the-road type team. Last thought with the one and only Bobby Dandridge here on Box to Row. And Bobby D, we appreciate the time. What do you remember about those days at Norfolk State? You played with Pee Wee Kirkland. I believe you played against... Um, Earl the Pearl Monroe, uh, as, uh, as well as many others in the double A. And our friend Luke Williams of the Black College Sports page was telling me about a, I think it was, I don't know, some game at the Greensboro Coliseum. I think it was, North, I believe it was Norfolk State. And you may have been on that team. They played some team and it was 148 to something. I think it was at the, in the CIAA tournament. Were you part of any game like that where like, a, a, like you know, in excess of 200 points uh, were scored? And then what do you remember about those days in the double A and at Norfolk State? Uh, what I remember about it was uh, a very competitive conference with uh, four teams in fourteen teams in the conference, and only eight teams would go to the CIAA tournament. And um, you know, in that particular game, I think the score was one thirty six, one thirty four. The game went into triple overtime. Yep. Norfolk State won, um, but the, and I, I came to Norfolk State at a time where Earl Monroe was already a legend 
in the league. So, you, you know, I got a chance to play against guys like Earl Monroe, Michael Gale, Mike Davis, Howard. Howard, it was a guy, Frank. I can't think of Frank's name, but Howard had great players. Delaware State had great players. And of course, ENT had great players. And it was a time, uh, basically, we were just getting into the early stages of integration in terms of college athletics. So schools like Norfolk State and other historically black schools got the top athletes and even the kids from New York, a lot of them weren't able to go to the uh, white schools uh, up up north and most of them came south to play. Uh, Claflin University, South Carolina State, Allen University, Florida A&M, uh, Tennessee State, uh, the SWAC conference. So that CIAA provided us uh, a place where we could be nurtured um, not only um, basketball-wise, but culturally, too, um, because we actually had faculty members and staff at these various universities that were concerned about us not only as athletes, but as human beings. And, and I just never regret uh, not one day playing at the CIAA conference and uh, playing at Norfolk State, um, you know, playing against Hampton University, Virginia State, and places like that. So, uh, you know, my experiences there at Norfolk State and in the CIAA have served me immensely throughout my career on and off the basketball court. 13 seasons in the NBA, two NBA championships, played at Norfolk State. He'll ultimately be inducted into the Naismith Memorial Basketball Hall of Fame later on this year. Also a CIAA legend. He's the one and only Bobby Dandridge joins us here on Box to Row. Bobby D, I appreciate you doing this, man, and we'll we'll talk with you real soon. Okay, my pleasure, and look, you have a good good show. We appreciate it, Bobby D. Bobby Dandridge joining us here on the program. Hope you enjoyed the conversation with the great Bobby Dandridge. So, the SIAC has mandated, mandated that student-athletes be vaccinated to participate in the upcoming 2021-2022 athletic season. What do you think about that mandate, a mandate from the SIAC? The SEC commissioner used the word forfeiture as a possibility, right? If some if some teams are unable to play, right? And then the NFL said it's not going to extend its season because of COVID outbreak due to personnel not wanting to be vaccinated. Where do you stand on this? I mean, I, I like what the SIAC is doing. Um, I think you, you can't have all of the stoppage. If you're going to play, we, we got to get vaccinated just as a whole, yet alone in sports, SIAC taking the lead. 
I like the the NFL not quite mandating it, nor the SEC, but taking steps to forward to say, if you don't get vaccinated, these could be the consequences. We can talk more about this on next week's Box to Row. Thank you to Bobby Dandridge for joining us today here on the program. If you missed any of our programs, including this one, you can log on to our website and check out our podcasts at BoxToRow.com. And always remember to support those that support you. From the Press Box to Press Row is presented by DW Communications.